Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. Tonight, I am delighted to have with me as a guest, Alan Mustard, who is chairperson of the OpenStreetMap Foundation board. Alan, tell us a bit about your background, who you are, how you got into OSM, and what got you to take a leadership role within the foundation. Well, I'm a farm boy from Washington State in the United States, uh, Pacific Northwest, grew up milking cows and feeding cows and cleaning up after cows. And at the age of five, I was first introduced to foreigners when my father picked up some hitchhikers who turned out to be the officers of an Indian freighter out of Bombay that had come into the port of Hoquiam, Washington. He brought them home and uh, we fed them supper. And the next night they uh, invited us to eat dinner in the officer's mess of their of their freighter. And I was introduced to Indian cuisine at the age of five. So uh, this sparked an interest in uh, foreign affairs, international affairs that uh, many years later, after uh, a couple of bachelor's degrees and a master's degree, culminated in my joining the Foreign Service. So I joined the Foreign Agricultural Service of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, worked there for 32 years. And in 2014, I was nominated to be uh, ambassador to Turkmenistan. So I arrived in Turkmenistan and discovered that one of the problems we had was that nobody knew their way around. There were no decent maps of the city of Ashgabat, the capital city. There were no decent maps of the country. So there was a lot of fumbling around, trying to find places, getting lost. and. I knew about OpenStreetMap. I had used it a little bit in India when I was posted to New Delhi. So I got very heavily involved in building out a map of first uh, the city of Ashgabat and then later more extensively into mapping the, the, the highway network and the major cities of, of Turkmenistan. And uh, one thing led to another. Uh, you can You can actually... There's a video presentation I made to the North American Cartographic Information Society about this. If you go into YouTube and uh, search on I'm tired of getting lost, uh, you'll come up with uh, my video presentation to, to Nasus and can get the full story. But uh, the result of it was that uh, using OpenStreetMap, we developed the very best road atlas available anywhere of of Turkmenistan, and uh, we also have the very best street map of the city of Ashgabat available anyplace. So that's what got me into OpenStreetMap. And then after I had done that, I, I, of course, gave the keynote address at the State of the Map Conference in Brussels in 2016. Uh, in yes, the I was in the that, audience. Yeah, in the wake of that, when uh, when I retired from the Foreign Service in a year ago, in 2019, I was contacted by some people in the OpenStreetMap community who kind of nudged me and said, you really need to run for the board. We need somebody with fresh eyes, someone who's not been involved in OpenStreetMap governance before, but who knows what OpenStreetMap is. So at the urging of, of some, some people in the community, I decided to run for the board. I didn't expect to be elected. Uh, I was uh, a relative newcomer, uh, an outsider, if you will, and much to my surprise, I was not only elected to the board, but then once once the board met, it elected me to to be the chairperson of the board, and that's that's how it happened. Well, congratulations on on that election, but also on that fantastic story of how you got into geography and exploring the world. I think probably one of the reasons you were successful in the election. Um, is because of the the divisions in in the open street community, and I guess that's one of the thing main things I wanted to 
coming as an outsider, you, you do bring a fresh perspective. And I guess that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. I know last weekend you spoke at State of the Map about some of your learnings over the last, you know, since, since assuming your role. But basically, it feels like, on the one hand, the project is hugely successful, used you know, by, by literally billions of people, many, many companies building on top of it, depending on it. And, and then on the other hand, you know, it, it, we still have this culture of the volunteer duocracy, which many members of the community deeply cherish, but it, it feels like it's, it's hitting some strain. How do you see that? And maybe you can summarize some of the learnings, uh, your, your, your process of how you came to grips with this dilemma and some of your learnings. Well, the the way I've I've dealt with this is the same way I've dealt with it every job I've ever had. Whenever I've come into a, a management or, or leadership position, the first thing I've done is is sit down with the people and and ask them what do I need to know in order to be successful in this position. And that has not changed. The only thing that's changed is that because I'm dealing with a global a global community and I'm dealing, of course, with COVID nineteen, which means I cannot meet too many people face to face at this point. I'm doing a lot of time on the phone, on uh, various uh, internet apps, uh, ranging from Google Hangouts to Zoom to Big Blue Button to WebEx and others that I don't even remember what they're called. Some cases, just plain old telephone, calling people and asking them two questions. Uh, the first question is, uh, what does the board need to be focused on? What what should we be paying our attention to? And then the second thing is, what do I as a board member need to know in order to make OSM successful. And by asking these open-ended questions, I have gotten a tremendous number of responses from a broad cross-section of the of the community that has really shed light on what the issues are and, and where there where there is agreement broadly on certain things, and then where there is very sharp disagreement in, in certain other areas. In this state of the map, I, I gave an address at the, at the, on the first day on July 4th. It's, uh, it was recorded, and uh, I suspect it will, if you've missed it, it will be up on the, on the web in fairly short order. And I would urge people to listen to that because I really spell out there what I have learned in these conversations with the community, uh, what people are telling me. And I really, I think we should divide OpenStreetMaps issues into two domains. The first domain is the platform, the, the infrastructure. And this includes both the, the, the physical hardware, the servers, the, the tile caches, the tile servers, and things like that, and, and what connects them, uh, the bandwidth and whatnot. That's, that's part of it. Another part of the platform is the software that underpins it, the API uh, the various applications that are used for editing and for, for contributing data and, and for troubleshooting data, doing quality control of data and things like that. That's that's one part of it. And then there's the mapping. And uh, the mapping, the actual cartography, is a completely separate animal. And I think if we draw that distinction between the platform on the one hand and the mapping, the cartography on the other, which is what I'm most familiar with. I'm not a software developer. I am not a hardware specialist. I uh, I get uh, I get very quickly bamboozled when people start throwing jargon at me on that. But I do understand cartography. I do understand mapping to a much better extent. Where I draw the line is between those two domains and say, mapping needs to remain with the local communities. The mapping really needs to needs the local knowledge because that is what has made OpenStreetMap so powerful and so good and such a force for good in the locales where where it has has taken root. You have this community that is a robust community in in 
many parts of the world that is developing a map that is uh, unparalleled for both quality and for its service as a free good uh, to the general public as well as to entrepreneurs, small entrepreneurs in particular, who can use this map to to generate income and to, to generate jobs, which is a great thing. Then the other domain is the support network, the, the, the platform, the hardware and the software that makes it all work. And that's where we're starting to see the strain. We're really seeing strain in the infrastructure where demand for OSM data has been growing 50% per year, year on year for the past few years. We're up to over 90 servers now, and we have a grand total of two part-time sysadmins who are volunteers to maintain all that. Now, to put that in perspective, when I supervised the information technology shop of the Foreign Agricultural Service about uh, about 18 years ago. We had about a dozen and a half people who were qualified as system administrators who maintained the, the network. And we didn't have nearly as large a, a network as, as what we're running right now with OpenStreetMap. So it was close, but but not quite as large. So in looking at where we are and where we're going, I think we're at Point where the OSM Foundation needs to grasp the nettle and start figuring out how do we maintain a robust, reliable platform and not think about, well, we're only going to rely on volunteers. We're only going to rely on the duocracy. I think, I think we have outgrown that model. We need to start thinking about how we do that. Uh, how do we finance it? Uh, how do we uh, manage this type of growth, while at the same time relying on volunteer mappers to do the bulk of the mapping and to have that local knowledge that is so critical. I'll stop right there. And if, if you want to follow up with questions, uh, go ahead. Well, I have a lot of questions. I get, Let's start with that point on the local knowledge and the local chapters. Over the last few years now, there have been several local chapters have been established. How do you see the relationship between OSMF and, and the local chapters? This board in particular has been really focused on developing those relationships and expanding the number of local chapters and local communities that are formally affiliated with us. We uh, we have admitted some some new chapters. The most recent is uh, Czech Republic, which uh, is our, our newest local chapter. We have others in the pipeline that we're working on. We are in the process of revising the local chapter agreement because there were problems with the uh, the original version of it. This new version will come out, I think, fairly soon. And we will give uh, all existing chapters the option of, of adopting that one and signing a new agreement with us if, if they want to, or they can stay with the old agreement if they prefer. The new agreement is going to make it easier for some of the local communities to become formal chapters. It's not a panacea. It will not solve all problems. There will be some local communities that cannot become chapters within that framework. So what we're offering to them is, you tell us what works for you. We would like to have a formal affiliation. And if your local laws make it difficult or maybe even impossible for you to become a local chapter, then tell us what works for you so that we can have a more formal affiliation. We really want to bring more local communities and local chapters into uh, an affiliation with us so that we can spread spread the, the foundation around the world. The whole idea here is to, to as uh, a previous foundation board put it, to create a map of the world that anybody can use, you know, to, 
to create a map of the world that anybody can use based on local knowledge, we need we need the local knowledge. We need those local chapters and communities and members from all over the world. Uh, well, I guess another similar question is, is, I mean, another stakeholder group within the OSM community are the working groups. And traditionally, a lot of the work has been done by the working groups. And there are some people, of course, who say the board should do nothing more than kind of a, a placeholder that's legally needed for whatever bank accounts and things like that. And that the the core work should be done by the working groups. But on the other hand, we've seen while some working groups have really thrived, Others have really struggled to attract and keep a steady flow of new volunteers, and you know, and, and there are endless ideas of what could be done, but the, they suffer from lack of of manpower, basically, of volunteers. How do you how do you see that, and what can the OSM Foundation be doing to to further strengthen the working groups, or is that desirable, or should we be de- delegating things to local communities, or how do you how do you see that dilemma? Well, you've really put your finger on one of the major problems, which is the collapse of some of the working groups that that basically lost volunteers or, or the volunteers who are the, the members of the, of the working groups have uh, thrown in the towel, so to speak, and said that they, they really don't want to have to deal with, with the, the things anymore. We're trying to reconstitute a couple of the working groups, uh, the operations working group in particular, and uh, I'll, I'll make an appeal here to your listeners if there are people listening to this who want to are interested in joining the operations working group, which is mainly responsible for planning hardware and budgeting for hardware and presenting to the board an annual budget. Uh, this is the money we need for operations for the next year. If you're interested in doing that kind of work, by all means, volunteer for the operations working group. The EWG, which was the engineering working group, but dealt with software mostly, has basically disappeared. And we want to reconstitute that. Uh, to, to, to answer your question in short, the working groups are integral to the success of OSM. Uh, we need the working groups, and the board does not want to do the work of the working groups. So our strategy is to reconstitute the working groups that have essentially collapsed, to bolster the ones that are showing signs of weakness, and to to use the working groups for what they were intended, which is to be where the rubber hits the road uh, on the on the infrastructure and, and, and in the, the corporate governance to a very great degree. So that's one tack that we're taking. Another thing I'd like to point out is uh, we've decided to start creating some special committees. A special committee is something that is probably temporary in nature. It is tightly focused on one issue that represents something that's been in the backlog for a while. That's a, a problem that the board is supposed to deal with, should deal with, needs to deal with. But has not dealt with. Can you give us an example of this? Yeah, well, the example, the, the most glowing example is the diversity and inclusion special committee, which was controversial when it came up. And I think in, in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement, our creation last winter of a diversity and inclusion special committee probably doesn't look half bad at this point. That we, again, are driven by the philosophy that we want to create a map of the world that anybody can use. And if we want to create a map of the world, we need geographic diversity. We need diversity across all dimensions because mapping cartography is a relatively subjective activity. We tend to map what we are interested in. And I can give you specific examples of that from Turkmenistan since I was learning how to map there about what I mapped versus what other people map. So we need a diverse community to help us map the world. And because there have been issues with exclusion, 
uh, with lack of diversity. We decided to confront it head on. And I think uh, I think we're off to a good start on it. Well, I wish everyone every success on that effort. I guess one question, though, I have is with with so many different stakeholders now, be it the working groups, be it the special committees, be it the, the local chapters, be it, the, you know, the volunteer mappers that aren't in any way, you know, organized into a group or anything like that, but just the community of, of the so-called craft mappers with the businesses that are depending on OpenStreetMap. You know, you have so many different voices literally coming from all over the world. So very different cultural backgrounds, needs, expectations. How can the board manage all these different voices? And how do you try to set priorities and policies? One of the axioms of leadership is that you listen to everybody, but you listen most closely to your best people. So there are people who have good reputations in the community, and there are people who have established credentials for knowing what they're talking about. And I think this board in particular is very good about differentiating between opinion, because everybody has opinions, opinions that people express to us versus people who come to us and say, there's an issue you should deal with, and here's why, and here are the technical issues, here are the community sociological issues. The people who come to us and present an issue dispassionately rather than trying to push an agenda are much more likely to get a a hearing from the board than someone who comes in and says, I think, and then tells us what they, they think we ought to do. So the board really, I think, has its ear to the ground. We have seven board members who come from different backgrounds, uh, have different realms of expertise, and who have very deep connections in some cases into different parts of the of the overall community. And uh, I've been very heartened by the volume of information that we have been able to collect as as board members and then parse it to to say okay, what is the objective here? What is it that we as a board are trying to accomplish on behalf of the community? And if it boils down to two things, we want local mappers using their local knowledge to contribute data that are the underpinning of a map of the world that anybody can use. And we want stable infrastructure that is reliable, robust, stable, that's always there when we want to use it. Then we sit down, we parse what people are telling us, and it it actually isn't that difficult to figure out this is the probable path ahead that will be the best for the organization. And yes, you are correct. There are people out there jumping up and down saying the board should do nothing. The board should be passive. The board should make no decisions. I've been told that a couple of times. The board exists solely for the purpose of fulfilling the requirements of the Companies Act 2006 as a, uh, an English corporation. But this board is looking at the problems that we're facing, the challenges, and in particular, the growth and demand for the the data and saying the current model, that model doesn't work anymore. Uh, OSM has evolved and the board's going to have to evolve with it. So the the really good news, and and this is really, I think, what, what keeps the board energized, is that the passion that people feel for OSM is driven by a desire to see OSM succeed. And we hear this across the community. People can disagree about a lot of different things, but they don't disagree about that. They want to see OSM not just survive, they want to see OSM thrive. And they want to see the community thrive. The two are really deeply intertwined. 
you can't have the map without the community and you can't have the community without the map. You know, I got into mapping because I needed a map and, and that evolved into joining the community. And once you have, you're in the community, you really want the community to, to, to thrive as well. So yeah, there are going to be disagreements. There are people who are going to push back, but I think at the end of the day, as long as we keep our eye on the ball, which is uh, keeping the community robust and thriving and keeping the map robust and thriving, we'll be able to reach agreement. Well, I hope so. I, I myself have been an OSMF member now for, I don't know, at least five years or so. And I know that many people, many of my peers, have really gotten turned off by the OSMF discussion, the mailing list, because the while I agree with you, everyone seems to start with a desire of wanting the map to be great and the community to succeed. I mean, some of the emails on the list are just so tiresome and so difficult and, and at times toxic, but even just at times, just once I referred to as a culture of exhaustion, where it seems people just try to wear down their adversaries with a 30-page treatise on why their viewpoint is the correct one. Yeah, and well, that's absolutely correct. Any, any advice on any, anything you'd like to say to people who have joined the foundation? I know, I know numerous people who have joined the foundation because they want OSM to succeed and then immediately you know, are now unsubscribed from the mailing list and take no part because they, they're just like, they just don't have the time. Yeah, well, this any, comes back to one of the, one of the initiatives that, that we have undertaken as the board and on, on floating the idea of a code of conduct. Uh, I think the time has come for that because... They, the, the mailing list is is toxic, and there are a lot of people who don't read the, the mailing list. I do, uh, because as chairman of, of the board, I, I have to. But yeah, I that, am, that's reassuring to hear. <laughs> I, am, I am at times appalled by, by the tone that people take with each other, and really, I, I think the time has come for a code of conduct. There's a lot of pushback on that from certain corners of the community, people who I think enjoy being able to speak their minds freely and sometimes use language that uh, others find offensive and who decry political correctness. I don't consider it political correctness. I, I think it's being polite. I think it's it's uh, being measured in how you address other people. So I think the time is coming. We're probably not there quite yet, but I think the time is coming that if not this board, that a future board in the foreseeable future will adopt a, a code of conduct. and. People who violate that code of conduct will will be put on mute for a little while until they can you know, get their act together and, and learn how to behave. I just I don't see how a community needs to tolerate abusive language from from any of its members. I concur, and I wish you every success in, in that effort. What would what would be kind of your best case scenario for your time on the OSM? OSMF board, but not just for yourself, but for OSMF and for OpenStreetMap in general? I think striking some sort of a compromise between the two extremes that I outlined in my in my address to, to this year's State of the Map, where I said there are two extremes, one of them saying that the, the board needs to take responsibility for the, the stability and reliability of the system. And, and on the other hand, the people who say that the board should do nothing, it should do the bare, bare minimum necessary to keep OSM alive. We need to strike a balance somewhere. The board does not want to run OSM. The board wants to make sure that we have a stable platform and that we have such a sufficiently inclusive environment that we can get people 
we can attract people from all over the world, from, from all corners of every society to contribute to the map. So I, I think there has to be a compromise. And if, if at the end of my term on the board, I have managed to achieve that compromise so that we have a clear sense of, of what the board is going to do and what the board's remit is from the community, I think I will have succeeded. It's very clear to me that the board cannot continue the way it did in the past, doing virtually nothing. One person told me that in the past 10 years, the board has made exactly one decision, and that was a decision to shift to uh, the uh, open database license. license. Mm-hmm. Uh, one decision in 10 years is pretty pathetic. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize to the board members over the last 10 years for saying that, but but it's true, speaking as someone who's who's been in management roles for, for three decades. The board should be making more decisions than that, and it has to make decisions that ensure that, that OSM has a bright future. And that's that's what I'm about. And if, if I can succeed in doing that, then then I will re- gladly retire from the board uh, perfectly happy. Well, again, I wish you every success in, in that endeavor, because as someone who's been involved for quite some time in OpenStreetMap, it's, it's, it does feel like we've really hit a fork in the road and it's, it's not clear how things go forward. But Hopefully, we can take some confidence in the amazing success of the project to date. So Absolutely, it's, it's gone farther uh, than anyone expected. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the people I talked to said uh, the project should not have succeeded. OSM should not have succeeded, but it did. <laughs> and it is a tribute to everybody who has contributed to to the project, to the map, and uh, the demand for the data. I think uh, the growth in demand for the data is proof positive that it has been an enormous success. And the task that, that the board faces is to uh, underpin that success with, with infrastructure that will allow it to continue to be successful. Well, thanks very much. On, on that note, any, any closing thoughts, any final things you'd like to mention that we didn't get a chance to discuss? Yeah, well, if there's anybody listening out there who is not a member of the foundation, please join the foundation. And uh, we have adopted a new policy that if you don't want to pay the membership fee, you can map for 42 days out of the year and that makes you eligible for a free membership in the foundation so that and any other contribution actually though that's automatic if, if you have 42 days of mapping the membership working group will automatically admit you to the to the foundation if you are contributing with software development or legal advice or if you're on one of the other working groups just make your application to the membership working group, point out what your contributions are that don't involve cartography, and that will then be forwarded to the board for the board to consider. So uh, we want more people in the foundation. We wanted to remove the financial barrier because it was a a serious barrier, particularly in the developing world, where 15 pounds is actually a a substantial sum of money. So we've reduced that barrier. We really want to grow uh, the foundation, get more members in. Okay, excellent. If the conversation has raised any questions for people, how can they best get in touch with you? Uh, the easiest thing is by email. My uh, my email address uh, via the foundation is up on the foundation website, osmfoundation.org. And uh, you can also email me at my uh, personal email, which is alan, A-L-L-A-N, at mustard.net. Very nice, Alan. Thanks very much. And thank you for all your efforts on behalf of OpenStreetMap. And um, good conversation and good luck. My pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. 
You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.